0: Welcome to the New Books Network in Literature. My name is Yakir Englender, your host. Today, we will speak with Zeyna Arafat, the author of the novel, You Exist Too Much, published in 2020. The novel focuses on a Palestinian-American woman who tries to hold questions around hybrid identities, being bisexual and a Palestinian-American who is also a secular Muslim. She tries to learn how to own her identities, but also her body, her ways how to fall in love, her desires, and the relationship with her mother, who is a place of much love, but also for demands for clear identities. It is a story of many of our young generation who are living in more than one identity, but in a way with none. Zaina Arafat is a Palestinian American writer. Her stories and essays have appeared in publications including The New York Times, The Believer, and The Atlantic. Welcome, Zaina, to the New Books Network.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's great to have you here. Zaina, can you share with, uh, with us a little bit about your spiritual and um, cultural um, background that brought you to write this book?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, let's see here, culturally, I myself grew up in between the US and the Middle East, specifically Palestine, Jordan, um, Palestine and Jordan primarily. Um, and so that sort of in betweenness, um and, you know, forgive the cliche, but having a foot in both worlds led me to sort of feel like I had a foot in neither world. Um, and I felt like rather than being both, I was almost like on the outside of each. And so having that, you know, outside perspective, just like sort of watching things from a different viewpoint um, led me to really want to make sense of my observations um, from that vantage point. And so I think that that's, I don't know what my sort of background that brought me to writing this book and then i mean spiritually i just i think i had a lot of existential type questions about um about freedom and choice and just like authenticity um and responsibility and i mean part of this character's journey is from coming to a place coming from a place of inauthenticity um, and sort of like self-denial to a place of self-acceptance and like living authentically. Mm.
0: So we speak here about and like a an hybrid identity, right? Because you are Palestinian who grew up here in America, right? You are Muslim, and we will come later to, maybe more deep to some of them, but you're a Muslim, but Islam is not deep part of the book. And actually the book started um in bethlehem right so, which gave me and i'm sure many readers like that maybe you are a christian palestinian um but but you are a muslim and we learn that later um and then you are also or not you but the 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 um the person that doesn't have a name i think in the book um she um also queer, bisexual. So we have here many hybrid identities. And since this generation, we meet, at least in America, more and more people who grow up to generation of immigrants, right? So it's like the first generation of this hybrid identity. I wonder if you can help us to understand better what's the gifts But also, what's the main challenge that you find as someone who has a hybrid identity?
1: I think that the gifts of having a hybrid identity is that, I mean, you get to experience like just a multitude of different experiences, really, right? Like, I mean, being, let's say, being both Arab and being American, you get to experience like Arab culture, you get to experience American culture and take, what you like from each, really, and, you know, weave them into your um, daily practice and your just sense of self. Uh, Bisexual, being bisexual as well, right? I mean, like that, I think, allows for room to love more widely, right? Um, And I think the challenges of each involve sort of what I was saying before about feeling a sense of non-belonging in a way, because you just aren't fully able to access like either identity entirely you're sort of like on the in the little tiny oval of the Venn diagram um where you just like don't have access to the larger part of the circle in a way and I think it leads to some like internal tension um and internal struggle because like we do live in a world of binaries where we do feel like we have to be one or the other and it is difficult to embody I think Multiple, sometimes contradicting, sometimes overlapping identities. So I think that's where the challenge really lies: is holding all of that within.
0: Do you, do you have a specific, just an example for us, is um, something that maybe it's imaginary, maybe it's not even real, but something of part of identity that you feel that, let's say, your mother, because she grew up deeply in Palestine. So something that like you're a little bit jealous, like, oh, I wish I would have this feeling or this security or this maybe even pain that it's there in me, but it's not totally because I am both.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great question. Of course, I envy her sense of entitlement to her identity as a Palestinian because like as a Palestinian American, right, you don't feel like you can fully claim either identity, really. But like in the case of, you know, my mother, for example, like yeah, I, I certainly envy her sense of like rootedness in that world, her sense of belonging to it, her experiences in it. You know, I mean, I, I she's I don't envy necessarily the like maybe the pain and trauma of like what being Palestinian can entail, and just sort right. of like. But I do think it breeds a sort of, like, collective, communal um, fabric, in a way, um, that, like, people that have been through all of that are united in that experience, and that creates community in some sense. So I envy that community, that, like, you don't really you – you still feel the effects of a lot of this trauma that your parents have yeah. been through, but you don't fully um, – you can't really belong to that community of people that have been through that and like the strength that they can get from one another. So.
0: Did you grow up with um, storytelling? Like, is any of your close family share with you the stories as a way to give you the gift of this identity?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, to an extent, I did. To To an extent, I did get to hear these stories, right? I mean, like, a lot of it was me seeking out these stories versus Mm. like them coming to me just like freely. Um, I think that that's probably normal when people experience pain and traumas, they don't want (laughs) to retell those stories. Although there are a lot of very positive stories as well, but like (laughs) I sought out these stories and that did make me feel so much like closer in a way to my identity as Palestinian and also just tied to family and like, you know, um, members of that community Uh, so yeah certainly
0: so one of the elements that is is coming again and again in different incredible ways in the book um is a wish for control um like i think about the wish to control um challenges about food the wish to control your relation like the like the the hero relationships um what will come inside my body um, with food but also sexually who will have the permission um, and what do i really want and also i think about the mind it's like which story which narrative and how much i will have i mean the image go to um learn how to control the way how she falls in love right and 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 romance and I wonder if you can share a little bit more about these desires that you wanted to describe about the wish to control, and maybe one more little thing about the place of lying as a way to wish for control. It's like, I'm going to lie to you about my other, let's say, sex lives that I have, because in a way I want to control my love and I want to control my messiness. So can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, so I think control is great. I'm glad you picked up on that, you know, underlying impulse of like control and the desire for it. I think a lot of this narrator's experience is feeling powerless in a way. I mean, she grows up in a sort of a challenging household, um, where she, her boundaries are violated, you know, in ways, um, that are problematic. And when your boundaries are violated, you know, you feel powerless and helpless and you seek out control in really un- unhealthy ways, um, at times. And in this case, you know, control over food with, with the eating disorder, control over romantic relationships by not allowing, herself to ever engage in a real relationship where you know the other person has some agency as well instead she falls in these one-sided asymmetrical you know relationships um, that are often based in fantasy because they're just so much easier to control there's no unknowns from the other side because the other side doesn't really even exist um, or isn't always you know aware of her existence even and so I think that that impulse for control stems from growing up um, in a household of like violated boundaries, also perhaps like not having full control over like her identity because of the fact that it's so messy and overlapping in ways. Uh, and so I think that, yeah, I mean, part of the journey is like coming from a place of exerting, con- trying to exert control in these really toxic, unhealthy ways, but also and arriving at a place of like self possession and like, you know, being able to relinquish that unhealthy desire for control and allow another person into her life such that, you know, they can have, they can each have agency in a relationship. And then I think the role of lying, I mean, like, yeah, that's a really good point. That's a, that's a mechanism of control as well. Um, a way to like retell a narrative and control it. Um, and I think that she, I think a lot of that also stems from her um, internalized homophobia and internalized sense of shame is like, she can't be honest with herself about who she is and therefore she really can't be honest with anybody else. And so trying to like control that um, by repressing it is a lot of where the lying comes in.
0: Thank you. Hmm. So Zaina, I want to to touch the place of expectations um, in the book. Hmm. Um, We have a very deep relationship, maybe the deepest one between... Um, between the hero and her mom, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Her mom as a place for nourishment, but also a place of expectations and a place of pain, deep pain. Mm-hmm. Um, there is um, an Israeli um, poet, mm-hmm. um, Yehuda Michai, that speaks about the place of memory. That in many ways, um, the young generation of Israelis are demand to remember and to carry. Um, You know, the memory of the Holocaust, the memory of the soldiers who who lost their lives. And there are so many streets on the name of, and there is mountains on the name of. And he said that the mountain will remember, that the street will remember, that everything will remember so I can for a moment rest. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what is a place of rest with the expectations that Mm -hmm. are there all the time? And maybe we can speak a little bit about the gender expectations that are unclear what the mother exactly wants because mm-hmm. she's coming from Palestine. Mm-hmm. She she has her way to be a woman, in a way successful and unsuccessful with the marriage. Mm-hmm. But then she has a daughter that she choose to grow up here. And here we have a new dialogue, a new discussion and discourse. Mm-hmm. Um, can you help us to... With expectation of the hero of the book.
1: Yeah. um, So I think that that's so interesting. I love that idea about um, the mountains remembering and the street names remembering so that I can rest. I think that for this narrator, uh, there is so that's another one of the like struggles is like trying to let go of those expectations or like not live according to those expectations however most of her behavior throughout the book is in ways dictated by these expectations Mm -hmm. and she doesn't have a place of rest um until i mean the only way that she can arrive unhealthily initially is by like self-denial by like hiding you know Mm -hmm. hiding in these one-sided relationships hiding who she is from her family from herself right lying um and that's her way of finding like rest from expectations, but like the trajectory of the book is such that she's going from a place of finding rest in those unhealthy ways, um, self-denial, lying, what have you to coming to a place of like finding rest by just embracing who she is and living like honestly and authentically. And so, um, and so like, and and just like allowing herself to let go of and sort of subvert those expectations, which are you know both coming from without and within
0: yeah yeah and since you you have you are a third generation of a palestinian america american um one of the questions that i wonder about um is expectations that we can ask our parents and what we cannot ask from them um i will give an example so um In in for for 17 years, I was deeply involved. um, Actually, dedicated my life uh, for 17 years for peace work in Jerusalem. And um, when I, at one point, you know, I had during you know all the Gaza-Israel complicated relationship, unexist relationship. Mm -hmm. There, there is a point that you come to your parents. And you said, like, why to the hell you cannot do peace? Like, we want it so much. We all want it, right? We all agree about that. So what prevents you to join us and let's do it? And I didn't understand the answer. But at one point, I remember after many years, I was sitting, I was meditating with myself on the roofs of Jerusalem Mm -hmm. in the old city. And I understood that there are things that I cannot ask from let's say, the generation of my father. Um, because my father grew up as a baby at the Holocaust, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he came in the age of seven to whatever he understood or didn't understand Israel is, a new st- country state. And then was with all the trauma of the Holocaust, needed to fight for his life with this complicated uh, conflict. Yeah. And then like after five wars... <laughs> what can I ask a person with so much trauma? And from the other side, me that I didn't grow up in the Holocaust, thanks, life, mm-hmm. I can demand from myself new things. And I wonder how you as a, as a, as a Palestinian American writer and as a queer bisexual person, what can we ask the generation of our parents and where are the places that we need to say, we need to do something that they will never understand. Right. And we need to translate for them something that they are so afraid from.
1: Right. I mean, that's, wow, that's a lot to to really think about. I mean, I think that that is, I mean, part of the point, I suppose, of like writing the book is to try and translate an experience and a way of being in a reality that is immediately and maybe just like, Instinctively, in some way, like off putting to that generation, right? And just unfamiliar and totally like, uh, feels threatening almost to their experience and their value system. Um, and to try and, I mean, what I'm trying to do both as a writer and as a person is to like make room and for those their experience and to have compassion for it and to have empathy for it and to understand, like, right, exactly, like the sort of world that they grew up in being very different than the world that we grew up in, right? In many ways, that's very fortunate for us, right? Um, And that's why, like, for example, in the book, there's a chapter that's sort of devoted to the mother's backstory and her life and just sort of like looking at her experiences and trying to arrive at a place of empathy and compassion for her, which can be hard for the narrator because the narrator has felt so much pain by virtue of the mother having these expectations and these behaviors that are in ways like threatening and aggressive to the narrator. And so like what we can do, I think, is try and really understand, the best we can do is try and like have empathy, compassion, and like understanding for that generation's experiences, their value systems, their like mindsets, right, to understand where those are coming from by like really like kind of excavating their histories, their experiences, while also at the same time trying to translate our own experiences, our own value systems, our own um, mindsets in a way that they can therefore, that they can like digest or at least like also form empathy and compassion for. And so like this book is meant to sort of have, be that bridge in some way, um, successfully or not, like that's the goal is to really, yeah, kind of translate that this generation's mindset in some, you know, at least in this lens of this character.
0: Did you find Erm uh, um, during the writing mm-hmm. of the book, did you find that the um, hero of the book, she teach you something about yourself that mm-hmm. by writing in a way, you're creating a new dialogue with yourself?
1: Yeah, I love that question. She certainly did. I mean, I think she taught me about the difficulty of, like, escaping patterns of behavior and, like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, myself, I can relate to a lot of that because I I think, you know, while this character is not, she's not me and I really had no, at some point I lost, like I had to let her follow her own path and have her own agency and I couldn't control her behaviors, you know, even when I wanted to prevent her from doing a certain thing that I thought was destructive, I really couldn't because like I had to let her be true to her traumas her wounds her experiences and to act in a way that a person with her background would act until she could break those patterns but like I mean I think I learned a lot from her about like why it is that we repeat bad behaviors or bad patterns that we can't escape them and I think I also learned about not only like not necessarily how to break those patterns or behaviors but how to like how to identify progress even when it's small Right. Mm. Um, and, you know, because it's not like she goes from a place of like, to she she's healing throughout, but I don't think she ever arrives at like a full sort of recovery in, in any way. But I think there are steps that, I, that are worth noting and that are worth like applauding. And I started to sort of reflect onto my own experiences and think like, well, you know what, like not everything has to be like zero to 100. Sometimes you get to like 60 and that's that's really great. You should be proud of that. So yeah, I mean that's the dialogue we were having was like why do you why does one repeat bad behavior like bad patterns or destructive patterns and how how does one measure like progress when it comes to breaking these?
0: Yeah, I also thought a lot during the um, during reading the book about the place that the hero in a way she has patterns, mm-hmm. but in a way they maybe prevent her to feel even deeper pain. That will not be in a way controlled. It's like the mistakes are also part of like Mm -hmm. gifts that we have in order to prevent a chaos of of something.
1: Yeah, that's such a well, that's really well said. I agree with that. Absolutely.
0: Um, So, Zeyna, I wonder if you can share with us um, about the place of your relationship, I mean, as a writer now. the relationship between um, American Palestinians or Palestinian Americans, I think, um, I don't know how you will find, where you will find yourself, um, and the Palestinian community, because you go back and forth, at least in the book, um, you go back and forth and you have family there in Jordan and in in um, in Palestine, and I wonder about what the identity or what the challenges that sometimes spoken and or unspoken are happening there. Um, we have it um, many many Israeli Americans who grew up here. You know when they come there, they say like, "Oh, we are Israelis," and the Israelis tell them like, "Where do you live? Of course, you are not. You have American passport. Whenever you want, you can go back." Or you 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 don't know what is to be, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And I, but they, so there is a conflict of identities because in a way, like I carry your Palestinian identity in America. I'm a child of a refugee, of an immigrant, but then it's like, can I really present them? And I thought about that as a writer for you, as an author, like who is your audience? Like, do you want, do you write to Americans? Do you wish your book to be translated to Arabic So your family who do not read, or the general community, can read your book? And where's a game of identities are there?
1: Right, yeah. I mean, I think that the relationship between, like, the Palestinian-American and then the Palestinian community is one that this narrator, um, I mean, she's... she very much wants to belong to this Palestinian community and feels like an outsider to it and, like, sort of kept out. Um, And I think that maybe what I want this book to do or, like, what I want to kind of communicate is that, like, yeah, there is, you know, I, I thought a lot about this idea of inherited experience, inherited trauma, and I don't think that that's what this character experiences but i think there's like a trickle down trickle down experience and trickle down trauma like insofar as you know the mother who raises her has these experiences these traumas and of course that colors the way that she raises her children right so like the daughter is sort of in ways other than just the fact that she spends a lot of time there um, you know throughout her life she also is colored by these experiences and these traumas and these joys also that like the Palestinian community that lives in the West Bank and Gaza themselves have, you know, full access to. So I think like the point is to sort of show, you know, while, yeah, I don't think that if you are Palestinian American, you can, I think there is, of course, a difference between being Palestinian American and being full Palestinian. I mean, like, as you said, you know, just by virtue of having an American passport where you can just come and go anytime you want, right, That. definitely you're not living under occupation right you're not like living in the same way that um, you're just not living within these communities so of course there's a distinction but still like I wanted to sort of explore like how what is it what is that identity then of having those like trickle-down impact of being Palestinian of having those like months and years at times like spent in in the West Bank um, but not really like having that full sense of what it is to be a part of that community because of the fact that you have this other side to you. So I'm just trying, I'm trying to like explore the relationship between Palestinian American and Palestinian community while acknowledging that they're not the same thing. Um, And I would absolutely love for the book, of course, to be translated into Arabic because I would love for like Palestinian readers to understand or just like have the, ability to just experience through this book like what that identity is like sure they know what it is to be full Palestinian in a part of that community living in the West Bank and Gaza but like what does it mean to be Palestinian but like detached from that right because like mm-hmm. to be a Palestinian in the diaspora and like what does that what does that mean what are the like what can that Palestinian do what are the like limitations for that person as a Palestinian I mean it's Maybe it's, an, maybe it's something that some a Palestinian might have been curious about. Like, what would it be like to leave here, right? What would it have mm-hmm. been like to grow up somewhere else? And like this book allows you to experience what that might have been like in the same way that if I read a book by somebody that grew up in the West Bank or Gaza, I'm like, oh, I know what my, this is just one way that my life could have been had I grown up there. So it's like a nice counterfactual in some way.
0: Yeah, thank yeah. you. Hmm. So, there are two things that I felt um that are there in the book, but they're in the book, but in a way, um by by not being fully. So with a mother, for example, is is the opposite, like she is so there's so complicated, but so full, right um But there are two things that I felt that are not totally there. Um, and I wonder how it's influenced the identity of the character. One is a father, which is like I'm missing that we, we feel the anger, we feel the distance, but there, I don't find the gifts. Um, and I wonder how, and the second thing is um, the mother is using the fact that that they are Muslim um, a few times, right? As a, as a as a way to critique, in a way, but the gifts of Islam, um, like, are not there. Like I I or in, I didn't find them in the book very deeply. Like the the richness, the gifts, that meditations, the Sufi, or whatever it is, so many gifts. And I wonder about the generation which hold multiply identities. And where are the places that do not exist or they exist but only as a punishment?
1: Yeah, you mean um, the places that exist? Can you repeat the last part? Yeah,
0: it's like I feel that the father, mm-hmm. if the father was not exist at all, it was easier. Right, yeah. Right, right. And, and the same with Islam, like the Muslim yeah. tradition is like against the character sexuality and her way i mean sexuality is who we are right it's not like a subject it's like we are sexual sexual beings and it's like in a way the islam is a way how to push her from being herself and i wonder if it's something that you you choose to give to your character and how do you play that with that
1: interesting I mean so in terms of the father right like I think first starting with that like I think that the father is I mean yeah his role in the novel is sort of like fringe um and that is intentional in in a way because I mean this father character is is sort of a passive character and I part of that passiveness is what I wanted to communicate and I find it to be like you know, the mother is so much full, so full and larger than life and then ways is so, like, just sort of, like, dangerous and, like, um, you know, there's, like, a cruelty but there's also a beauty and there's, like, but, like, and and so she looks sometimes like the villain in some way, which, which and then the father who, has, he seems like sort of, like, nice, passive person. I wanted to sort of show how that can be its own, like, destruction in a way and how, I mean, like, there's a line about <laughs> it's just the way that the father like kind of quietly triggers the mother and like allows her to explode and make her look sort of villainous because of that explosion without ever really considering like, well, what caught, what led her to that point of desperation. Um, and so I, that father sort of like underhanded slights is, um, and passive aggressive behavior is like very subtle, but present. Um, And so then in terms of Islam, like, you're right. I mean, I don't really explore the, like, gifts of Islam because of the fact that, like, I was so much more interested in, like, I mean, religion is a part of culture, but I wasn't interested in, like, the religious aspect of this character's experience so much as the sort of, like, cultural in-betweenness aspect of it. And it just, like, wasn't as... Pressing to me sort of to explore other than the ways that, I mean, I think partly because, like, she doesn't really grow up in a, like, religious household, although religion is, like, always overhanging, you know, overhanging, Um because, yeah, they're Muslim, and so, like, she experiences religion, sadly, only through that context of, like, repress, of it, you know, forbidding her identity, um, her sexual identity, right, she doesn't have access to the gifts of Islam, in fact, like, that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately is that, like, um, how, how how sad that can be when you only experience the, like, negative sort of, like, restrictive aspects of a religion rather than, like, all of the spiritual um, gifts of the religion and, like, the sense of community and just, like, higher power that a religion can give you. Uh, I think, like, if I were to, like, honestly go back and, like, revise the novel for the, like, 7,000th time, I might I might... I might explore that more and, like, add some uh, some way that she can access that gift of Islam rather than just experience it as, like, something that's denying her.
0: Zainaz, this is why we're waiting to the next novel. Oh,
1: yeah. I hope you understand that. <laughs> well, I definitely, I'm going to think about it for the next book. Honestly, it's been on my mind a lot. So, funny you asked about it.
0: <laughs> so, um one more element that is so much and so rich in the book, um, and I wonder if you can speak more, is about the like somatic and trauma, like the place of the, of the body as the container. And I will say as our hero and angel who agrees to carry so much pain for us, Right That our soul just cannot hold, so it's like the body will say, "You know what I will also it's okay I will fuck I will fuck that other person, I will hurt myself in order that you that we the, like the mind can have some relief of the pain um but also the body as a place of pleasure, right' as a place to communicate um and the place of but then there is a whole way of how we should learn to listen to the body um, as a carrier of this trauma and narratives. And I wonder if you can share with us a little bit about this place of like how the hero she's learning like to listen more subtle, right? In the subtle ways to the bodies and what it teach her.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so hmm. I think that what the ways that the narrator, you know, kind of comes to listen to the body and, you know, thinking of it as, I mean, I think she sort of initially there's a line where a friend says to her like, oh, I treat my body like a temple. And the narrator, like, rolls her eyes at this because I I don't think that she views her body as, like, something sacred or something, like, that has value in some way, Um, which is why she sort of abuses it through, like, an eating disorder, through, like, through, you know, sexual encounters that are, like, meaningless. Um, And as the novel sort of progresses, I mean, she sort of, like, breaks out, by breaking out of, like, those behaviors and those patterns and by like allowing herself to be physically touched, um, by people, you know, and not even in sexual ways necessarily. Like there's a point where she sort of allows for somebody who cares for her to like hug her, which, Mm -hmm. you know, she initially sort of resists any physical contact with this person or she allows for her body to be nourished in a healthy way, you know, through food, through like physical touch, that's non-threatening. That's like giving rather than taking, Um, for her to enter into a relationship that's like not bent, not based around the other person, like, you know, deriving validation from, you know, her body or, you know, trying to take something for themselves, but instead like sort of give and feed and nourish. I think that that's where we come to a place where she sort of discovers the like, I don't know, the like specialness and sacredness and also just like value of the body. Um, and stops, like, treating it so poorly.
0: Thank you. So my last question is, um, you're a writer, you're an artist, but you also, you teach how to write. Mm. Um, And I wonder if, um, as a final question, one of the questions that I hear from many people is, okay, I wrote a piece, I wrote um, um, a short story, a poem, and... I feel that it's good enough. I got enough critique and good critique and I change it. But then how do I publish? Mm -hmm. It's like, how do I go to the right website? It's like, what's a game of editors? How do I know what to do? Do you have any wisdom in this field?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that what you need to do is like read reading. Right. So like when I was starting out as a writer, wanting to submit things, I once I, finish the writing and revising and like kind of sharing it, um, getting another pair of eyes on it. Like I would, I had a few magazines or just like websites that I really loved to read. And so I would um, I kind of go to their submission guidelines, you know, or sometimes I would email an editor directly. That's by looking at the masthead Hmm. and like send my story. And either, I mean, one of three things would happen either. They would, they wouldn't answer or they would write back with a rejection or they would write back with a rejection, but with like feedback. And those were obviously the most valuable emails of all, because Mm -hmm. then like you have a better sense of what it is that that editor is looking for. What is like the style of the magazine based on, you know, the feedback that they're offering you. And then you have the opportunity to go back, revise and resend it either to that editor or elsewhere if you want to. But like, I I mean, that was for me so much submitting, just via like either you know, a, their just sort of like submissions portal or sending directly and getting rejections and feedback and taking that feedback and just like incorporating it and revising it and like and revising and revising, and so I think that that's what you have to do is to let find those publications where you feel like you like the work and you want your work to be there and that your work kind of matches the style and then like just go to the go to the editors directly or go to the <laughs> submission guidelines and submit through
0: the, that portal. Zena, I think that this answer is so important to the, um, to the, um, car- to the main character in the book because um, it's not about hearing the no, it's about hearing no, but with an explanation that yeah. creates a dialogue and creates the intimacy. It's like, oh, you want to love, it's beautiful. It just that I'm not the right person for you, yeah. um, or I'm not. You're not the right person for me, which is um, so I think respectful, but give also it's like to a new dialogue. of it's like, oh, so tell me what intimacy is for you, like to the mother, right? I mean, to the mother. So like, which kind of daughter you want me as a queer bisexual mm-hmm. uh, Palestinian American? So which kind of relationship you wish to be to have with me? And I think like in so many ways, this is what we wish for and we're afraid to get hurt, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And in a way, like all relationships until the right one are like rejection with feedback, right? It's like (laughs) things that you can like take and like improve for the next one. And so, so yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, We're constantly revising ourselves.
0: Yes, yes. So Dana, thank you so much for writing You Exist Too Much. We're looking forward to your next all of your art. And thank you for joining the New Books Network.
1: Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this conversation with you.